I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Hi, welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. Hi, this is Mike. And this is Kate. And today, I'm pretty excited to bring you this episode with our friend, Lewis House, who is the author of the brand new book, The Mask of Masculinity. So I've known Lewis for many years back from our time in New York City, just as like budding online entrepreneurs. You know, it was really cool. Recently, I got a chance to hang out with him in Toronto, just by chance we happened to be at the same event. And I had noticed such a shift in him. It wasn't that he was a bad guy before by any means, but you know, I didn't like so deeply resonate. And then when we hung out recently, a couple weeks ago, I was like, man, this guy's super present. He's like really tuned in. He's really kind. And I just noticed a significant shift in him. And I really found out why that shift has come about during this episode. So I think it's just it was a really interesting conversation around vulnerability, transparency, and the transformation and intimacy and connection that comes from that. So, Mike, do you want to kind of share his sure. official bio? So who is Lewis Howells anyway? He's a boy from Ohio, and before Lewis became a media sensation for empowering people and sharing greatness across the globe, he had his share of obstacles to overcome, from having a learning disability, which led to being alone and bullied in school, to being sexually abused as a child, to being injured and broke on his sister's couch. Lewis's story is a perfect example of how anybody can overcome obstacles in their life and achieve greatness. But fast forward to a few short years, and he is a New York Times bestselling author from his first book, The School of Greatness, and the author, as Kate said, The Mask of Masculinity. He's a lifestyle entrepreneur, high-performance business coach, and keynote speaker, a former professional football player, two-star All-American. He's also a current member of the U.S. men's national handball team and a host a top 100 podcast in the world, The School of Greatness, which has over 40 million downloads since it launched in 2013. And he was recognized by President Obama in the White House as one of the top 100 entrepreneurs in the country under the age of 30. He's been featured on Ellen, The New York Times, People, Forbes, and Inc., Fast Company, ESPN, Sports Illustrated, Men's Health, and Today Show. And right now, he's on a massive tour to promote this book. So he is literally featured all over the place. I mean, we're, you follow him on Instagram. It's just The amazing. ubiquitous Lewis House. Yeah, he's crazy. So he's doing his book tour thing and getting it out there. But I would say the same thing to back up what Kate said. I actually heard about Lewis the very first time from Kate because she told me to check out this dude, this dude Lewis, about James Wedmore's first product called Video Traffic Academy that he launched online that really got him started. And that's how I first saw my interaction with Lewis and that, or I didn't have an interaction with Lewis. It was a one-sided interaction with me on the other side of a webinar. Then, you know, we met James through, basically I met James and that continued and I took Video Traffic Academy, which was amazing. But it is, it's a good place to be in the world right now for this book to come out, The Mask of Masculinity. Two days ago, I saw the reason this book was inspired called The Mask We Live in, I think is the name of the title. It's a documentary. It's on Netflix. The Mask We You Live In. I should really know the title of that. But you can find it on Netflix. I'd highly recommend it. But it's about the upbringing of boys in the society, especially in the United States of America, and how we are taught. And it's leading to a lot of issues. It's the mask you live in. The mask you live in. So it's. I've been really fascinated by this for the last year and a half to two years of my life. 
and it's not, it's, this has come about not because I have a daughter. It's actually something that I started discovering myself a few years ago that really Kate started to share this with her and I were in relationship together. You know, some things were happening that was a pattern that I continually carried forward. And I started doing a lot of reflection on why this pattern happened and what was happening during our interactions that we were experiencing together because it wasn't good for either one of us. And so it just started to, for me to start uncovering these patterns that continue to happen. And that's really what I've been doing is removing these masks from myself and changing the lineage that is carried on for, oh, damn, that's the first time I've ever said that word correctly. You nailed um, it. Oh, that was good. <laughs> and changing the lineage of the Watts family history. The masculine you know, line. The yeah. masculine line and moving forward for what is caring for the future of the masculine line of not only my relationship in our family history, what that may be that I know little of actually truthfully, but also for Kate's, you know, and that is a product of what Penelope will grow up into. So I think it's really cool to experience that stuff, but not only just our family, but also so many other families that are out there because I know this work that Lewis is doing as well as like the work that we're doing and what we'll do in the future is healing all of this as well. And especially with what's happening with Donald Trump and going on the news and Bill O'Reilly and just like literally Harvey Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein and professional like executives, TV news anchors, like it's just another TV news anchor came out again with harassment. And so just women were up and it's like, they're sharing there now. Not all of this is going to be true which is good, but a lot of it is very true, you know? And so you just, it's to know that this is actually happening and a way higher percentage is actually true than not true. And so it's just, a, it's to pay attention to what we're actually experiencing and why we actually are what's going on here. And in uncovering this, what Lewis is doing. And somebody asked me this the other day, but this book is actually really good for men and it's also good for women. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it. I've learned a lot in terms of, you know, I know what it's like to grow up as a woman in our culture, but I don't know mm -hmm. what it's like to grow up as a man in our culture. Correct. And I don't know what those pressures are. And so it's given me tremendous compassion for not only my husband, but, you know, my dad and other men I interact with. And I think that one of the most healing things we can experience is that sense of compassion to understand another person's perspective. So if you are a woman, I know a lot of our listeners are women and you're struggling in a relationship with a man. I would really recommend getting this book. Now, I will say your gut instinct is going to be to get this book and want him to read it. Correct. But I'm going to really recommend not maybe a great idea. He might be open. And I'm going to recommend that you read it yourself. And then, you know, we even talked about right in the interview ways that in our relationship, I've you know, sort of perpetuated the masks of masculinity because I'm a result of our culture as well. So how can we heal that in our own relationships? How can we heal that in the world? That's the work that Lewis is doing. It's really beautiful work. It's meaningful work. I'm so excited. He's all over the media with this work because the time is perfect. And by the way, you may or may not know this, but our whole generation, which is people, you know, I don't really know what our generation goes to and from, but I was born in 83. Mike was born in 82. For we generation are Pluto in Libra generation. So astrologically speaking, the people who have Pluto in Libra in our astrological charts, what our whole generation's mission is, is to reinvent partnership, to reinvent and recreate how the masculine and the feminine 
work together and how they're both perceived and the dance between the two. So Lewis is right on time. He's doing his astrological dharma. I did not tell him that during the interview. You should have. That would have been great. <laughs> but I'll, I'll text him and let him know. And I think you're really going to love the episode. So listen in and then please, of course, leave us a review over on iTunes. Let us know what you thought. And I'm always open to hearing feedback on Instagram at Kate Northrup. Lewis is at Lewis Howes. I know he's really active on social media. Mike is at Mike J. Watts. So just tell us what you thought about the mask of masculinity and what this brought up for you, what this interview brought up for you. And of course, get the book. For sure. Enjoy. Welcome to the Kate and Mike show. This is Mike. And this is Kate. We're here with our friend Lewis Howes. He, he, just, he just gave us a pump up moment. He did. You yeah. missed it. There was some clapping. Mike and Kate, let's go. <laughs> We're so excited to have you. Thank you for being here. Yes. I've been reading your book and listening to your podcast to prep. And I have to say, I just really love what you're up to. Like I was aware of what you were doing before. I knew you when I lived in New York. You know, we kind of circled around the same thing. And then, I don't know, I just kind of like didn't. And then I ran into you in Toronto yeah. and became a little more aware of it again. And so now I've just been super into your stuff since I got home. Thank you. I just want to commend you. Thank you. Beautiful work that you're up to. Thank you. Well, I feel like it's the work that's needed the most with yes, all the is. men who are suffering and hurting in the world and not enough men talking about how they can first understand what they're going through and also the tools or examples on how to express themselves in a healthy way. I feel like it was more of a duty and responsibility of mine, whether or not, you know, it did well successfully in terms of like book sales or financially. I was like, this is more of like my purpose right now in my life. Because if you look back at the media, just this year alone, if you look at the media instances that aren't the natural disasters right? That weren't controlled by just the weather or whatever. I think of Charlottesville and the racial marches. I think of, and that chaos, I think of the political tension that's just constant every day, the reactions of our president, you know, whether you agree with him or not, just like his, you know, his reactions to things. I think about the mass killing in Vegas that just happened. I think about the domestic abuse and violence that happens with, you know, players in the NFL and other major league sports. I think about the, which just happened last week, the sexual harassment and rape with Hollywood executives, men who feel like they have this power over women. All of these instances that I just talked about, and that's probably just a few of them from this year alone, are because of men who are hurting or scared or trying to protect themselves in the world. And they're afraid. And this is how they express themselves through needing to be right, needing to win, needing to put others down, or they just don't know how to express themselves. So let me just get out a bunch of guns and just kill everyone because I've never actually opened up and just talked about what I'm going through. Or let me march with torches or whatever it is because I'm afraid and I want to prove and this and that. So I feel like it's just crazy to me that all these things are still happening. And, but it also isn't crazy because for 30 years of my life, I didn't know how to express myself in a healthy way. And, no one taught me. And I thought to myself, they're like, you know, why should I change? Everything's working. I'm getting results. You know, I'm achieving. I'm, this is working. People, you know, want me or whatever. So why change? Everything's fine. And I think that's scary because for a lot of men, when they wear these masks, when they do certain things, there's a big reward for doing it. You know, as an athlete, I put on this athlete mask and was like, I'm going to win at all costs in sports. 
and it worked. I became a great athlete and I won a lot and people wanted me and I was MVP and all this stuff, but I wasn't able to transition in my life. I needed to win at all costs in my life as well in intimate relationships with my family, with friends and business. And so I suffered inside. This is just one of the challenges. You know, these masks work for us. These false sense of identity works for us to get us results, but it makes us feeling very lonely. We suffer and we hurt a lot of people along the way. So well said. Mm, yeah, that was good. Thank you for doing that introduction. So we mm-hmm. didn't need to. <laughs> for making our job so easy. Yeah, yeah. That's um, why I feel like, you know, this is the most, you know, besides health, I would say health is the most important thing. And this is an aspect of health is like healthy is. communication. But, you know, health is just like, if we aren't able to take care of our bodies and our emotions and our mental capacity, we're not going to be around. We're going to, you know, exactly. constantly be in and pain. And it's totally connected because the it's all connected. of course, are going to be connected to your yeah. emotions, which mm-hmm. then connects to your physical body. And, you know, when men are committing suicide more than women, when men are alcoholics more than women and are constantly in rehab, when, you know, all these things happen to men, when men are dying younger than women, it's like, well, they're not healthy for certain reasons. You know, it's not because it's genetics. It's because of like, they're usually hiding something. Whereas women in general, not all women, but women in general, you guys come together every day and talk about what you're afraid of and what you're insecure about or what's going on in your life. You're just like, you know, you'll talk all day about it. And you know, 50% of guys feel like they don't have one guy friend they can share everything with or anything with. You know, maybe they have a guy they can hang out in the man cave with and, and watch sports together. But do they ever actually open up to them? 50% of guys don't feel that. You're not actually talking. Like you're yeah, saying. you're just hanging. You're just broing out yeah. or whatever. So I think that's the challenge is as men in general, we haven't been taught how to be okay with expressing ourselves in a healthy way because we've always been conditioned in other ways. We've exactly. been, you know, through... Many examples that we've all been through, we've been picked on or we've, you know, we didn't fit in. And so we had to change and adjust the way we acted to fit in. It just, the conditioning over time is hard to break. It's really hard to break. It is hard to break. But I want to know what, so this is our culture, right? Like we all have been raised in this culture and, and you guys both were raised as athletes in the Midwest. Actually, you know, probably you guys have a ton in common in terms of, in terms of that that particular type of conditioning there's a yeah in the midwest there's an upbringing that is similar just yeah. like if you're raised in california there's an upbringing on the yeah. coast and you guys like, were both yeah. like real competitive athletes so part of our culture has been to teach men that being a man is a certain thing right you said the toxic phrase of be a man mm-hmm. so how do we then change the culture so that because we are all the culture right like that was dr shafali sabari reminded uh-huh. us of that in toronto you know, we always talk about culture as out there, but we are the culture. So what do yep. you think we do from here? Once we've identified that this is a problem, the mask of masculinity and basically the wounded masculine that's running the world right now. Yeah. Well, I think it takes more than just men to work on this because I think women, whether men want to admit this or not, women are a massive influence in men's lives, especially intimate relationships you know, as a man, at least I'll speak for myself, when I'm in a relationship, I want my woman to be happy. You know, I want my girlfriend to be happy. And if she's upset at me, I usually want to figure out a way to please her and figure out what's like, how can I make her not upset at me? And sometimes I shift my way of being just to make sure that she's okay. 
And, you know, if a woman is like, I want you to express yourself and I want you to open up and you never talk about these things with me. And I really wish we were more open and sensitive and you just show some emotion in these moments. And then the man actually says to himself, okay, next time I'm going to talk about these things. And then he does. And then she's like, but I need you to have it all put together. And you can't do this right now. Cause if I'm freaking out and you're freaking out, then uh, what are we going to do? You know, it's like, then he says to himself, I am never again opening up because I don't want this reaction. I don't want to make her unhappy with me constantly. I want her to feel like I'm a good man or I'm there for her or I can protect her or whatever it is. And again, it's conditioning in relationships. Listen, we all are responsible for actions. So yes, men are responsible for not allowing that to happen and just being able to be calm in situations and express themselves still. But the influence is strong. And so women get to have a role in, in playing this well who are in the intimate relationships. It's just challenging. For me, I think we really need some type of catalyst to open us up to be aware of it first. Otherwise, 30 years of my life, I just kept doing the same thing over and over and was like, I guess this is just how you feel. You just suffer inside. You just stress out. You feel the weight of the world on your shoulder because this is how it's supposed to be. And it wasn't until I went through a really nasty breakup where I just didn't know how to end it. I knew it wasn't right. And for months and months and months, it was just so toxic and up and down. But the intimacy was so powerful and the 5% of the relationship when it would happen, I was just like, I don't want to lose that. So I was putting up with like 95% of chaos just for like, can't we have more of this intimacy? Cause it's amazing. Right. And it wasn't until that happened. And I just started getting so angry in my life. Like I was so angry from the relationship that I want to take it out on her. I take it out on other guys mm. when I play sports. I was like, I need to get this aggression out and play sports. And I would get in fights every time I played sports. Like anytime someone stepped to me or said something to me, it was like, it was my opportunity to attack back and let it out, like my aggression out. Because I didn't have the emotional capacity to communicate in another way. Until I got in a fight and I put a guy in a hospital. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, why am I doing this? Why am I allowing myself to constantly get mad and react this way? So for me, that was a catalyst for me. And I think a lot of men need that. They need a breakup, a divorce, a near-death experience, a death in the family, something to get them to say, oh, life isn't working this way anymore, or, or I don't want to live that way anymore because it's short. And that's unfortunate that we need that a lot of the times. Unless someone is able to have a conversation and start being aware and reflecting, but for me, I couldn't even reflect. So it didn't matter who was trying to help me or the feedback people were giving me, I was defensive. I was like, this is who I am. I'm not going to change because it's working. But it wasn't yeah, the culture in, it really wasn't rewards yeah. the masks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're, our whole system is built on it. So it is, it is. it's tricky to dismantle. And when you see our leader, you know, with the biggest mask of all, and you see young men, it's like, okay, well, if that's what it's going to take to get to the top or, you know, whatever it is, it's like, it's just mixed communication. It's just like constantly we're, we don't know. And when our peers are influencing us, if our peers aren't open and like vulnerable, it's like, we're not going to be that way. So it's just challenging. Just challenging. I mean, I think the best way we can crack men open is for the women in their lives to really be understanding and, and create a safe space for men to start opening up just a little bit, just like a little bit here and there. Like, 
by making requests and say, Hey, listen, you know, once a month, I want to be able to just sit down for 30 minutes and just be able to like talk about things that I'm going through with you that maybe are hard for me to talk about. And also like just have you share if there's anything on your mind that you want to talk about and let you know that I'm not going to judge you for anything. I'm not going to think different of you. I'm not going to get upset at you. Like, and I'm going to actually be turned on. I think if you can like tell a man, like it's going to turn me on sexually when you open up, like yeah. that's a, like a way it's like a catalyst. You no, can it's a reward system. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's like you turn me on whenever you share with me, like it turns me on. Like, I just want to get naked for you. You know, it's like, whatever, I don't know, but finding like creating a structure that's like small baby steps. And also here's another thing. If we're just talking about relationships in general, if you want your man to open up more, continue to acknowledge the good that they do yes. in, in the day to day, the things that you maybe take for granted, you know, when they're working 10 hours a day or they're taking care of the kids or they're cleaning or they're making coffee for you, whatever it is. And you just take for granted and you fixate on the one thing that they're not doing or the three things that they haven't done for you that you want emotionally. And you constantly tell them, I wish you did more of this. I wish you did more of this. They're going to think to themselves, I'm working freaking 10 hours a day to provide for us. Like this is my role in their mind. And why don't you fixate on that? Why don't you fixate every day on like how hard I am working or what I am doing? You know what I mean? And when we are acknowledged as human beings, we want to do more things to be acknowledged. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's simple. It's like, oh, you appreciated me for doing that. I'm going to keep working harder and I want to open up and and express myself more to you because Mm -hmm. I feel you see me and get me. So those are a couple simple things. Yeah, I think that's such great advice. And for you, I know what. <laughs> Can you go ahead. Oh, do you want to have a lot of talk about this? No. I have so much to say, but no. No, but know. I mean, like, just from a. No, it's good because I'm I wearing think it's, the know it all mask yeah, right now. True. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to. Well, you should tell Lewis what your family quote is. Seldom right, but never in doubt. <laughs> Seldom right, but never in doubt. That's funny. It's hilarious. Our family motto. The North they will family. like. <laughs> they will go down. The Northrop's will go down a path that they are the expert at. It, have no idea what they're talking about, but it's mm. makes they make it sound like it's amazing. Yeah. These masks are not just for me. <laughs> no, of course. But, yeah. the, but it's true. Like everything you just described is exactly like Kate and I have gone through that dialogue, you know, like a couple of years ago where I noticed I started noticing a pattern is every time I would voice something I was concerned about, she would just like freak out, not necessarily freak out. It's a little extreme, but she would go down, say the things you're talking about. Like I can see in her body, like I don't feel secure. Why is he bringing right. me expression? Like, and I'm like, you know, it was the one day I'm like, you want me to process, you want to process with me for 20 minutes straight and I'll listen to the whole thing mm. and not say one thing. But then all of a sudden I say one thing in like two minutes and then like your reaction to me is not like, it doesn't allow me to open up for secure conversation. Yeah. Like, and so guys will go to the bar, they'll go to the man right. cave, they'll go watch sports and they'll try to find some relief. And they shut down. Yeah. Well, they'll try to find it just like feel at ease about it to express themselves in another way where, okay, no one's going to understand me. I'm going to go be alone or I'm going to go work out or I'm going to go, which I think is healthy actually to go work out when you're feeling that. But you know, that's why a lot of men are alcoholics or taking pills. It's like, that's the way they cope. And yeah, man, it's just challenging, but it's not like, I don't think women are trained either on how to like communicate and feel safe. And you know, they have fears that are, they're stressed with too. So well, yeah, because we've both been raised that like each, you know, that, that piece that you shared from Glennon Doyle about that the key for relationships is to get naked and release all the layers 
of what we have been taught about what it is to, for to be a man and what it is to be a woman and just show up as two humans mm-hmm. and design it from scratch. And that's the best piece of marriage advice that Mike and I ever got before we got married from Dr. Deb Kern, the woman who performed our marriage ceremony. Wow. He said, There's, there aren't examples of what you would like to create in the world. So don't look out there to follow somebody else's right. model. Create your own, you have right? To yeah. become the model. Mm, and it was smart. really great advice that I'm so grateful for. And I, and you know, I think like dropping the masks and all of that is the same thing that we have to just decide who we are as a person, not as much like who we are as a man or as a woman. Yeah. Because then that allows us to include the whole spectrum. Mm-hmm. Nice good question. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I wanted to know. You know, it seems like one of the key catalysts for this journey with you was speaking out about an experience you had as a child of sexual mm-hmm. abuse. Mm-hmm. And I listened to that interview you did with Jonathan Fields, which was incredibly powerful. So thank you for putting that out there. Of course. And, just, and sharing the story. And I think it's so timely mm-hmm. right now with the Me Too movement that's going around. This will come out a couple of weeks from now, but I think people yeah. will not have forgotten right, this right, incredible right. thing that's happening. So what was it for you that felt important about publicly sharing Mm. The story of what happened to you? Uh, a couple of things. One, when I opened up about it, I opened up about it in like a workshop with about 50 people for the first time. And I probably wouldn't have done it ever. I probably would have never told anyone because I didn't want anyone to know this about me. I was so ashamed and, you know, insecure and angry and resentful, all those things. And it took, you know, days and days and days of kind of like going through all the crap of my past and like going through these experiences and games and exercises to kind of like talk about them and process them. And then at one point in this workshop, the coach or the the trainer was like, okay, we've addressed everything from your past. And if you want to create a powerful life moving forward, if you want to have a purposeful, meaningful vision, then if there's anything you haven't said yet, like now it's the time. Otherwise, you know, forever hold your peace type of moment. And I was like, God, I feel like I've, you know, people who are vulnerable and opening and I was crying at different times. And I was like, you know, I addressed the time when my parents were fighting all the time and, and they got divorced and I addressed the time my brother in prison and, you know, getting picked last and being bullied in the special needs classes. And, you know, I addressed all, you know, my siblings, all my three siblings attempted to commit suicide when I was younger. And I was like, I addressed all these things. And I was like, what about that time when I was raped by a man when I was five? And I just kind of like thought about, it. I was like, how come I've never told anyone this? And I was like, why am I, you know, I was able to talk about all these other things, but why not this? And so I just kind of had this feeling. I was like, it was the, the, the culmination of all the things that had happened that allowed me to feel safe enough in that moment to stand up. And I walked to the front of the room and I just told the whole story for the first time. And when I finished, I sat down and there were luckily two women on either side of me sitting next to me. And I was just bawling. I just couldn't stop crying. I was bawling. Luckily, they were like holding me and crying with me. So it made me feel somewhat safe. But I, after a few moments, I was like, I can't be here. I ran out of the room and went outside kind of in the back outside this hotel conference room to get some fresh air. And I put my head against the back wall and kind of like the back street or whatever. There's a wall behind the street. And I put my head in there. I was just like crying. And after a few minutes, it was really beautiful because men started coming up to me and just holding me and hugging me and looking me in the eye. And they were like, you are my hero. You know, they're like, you're my hero. Like, I've never heard anyone say something like that. 
I was sexually abused or I went through this thing or I had this happen or whatever. And they were like, man, I've been judging you and I just trust you now. Like I just trust you fully. And some guy was like, I will follow you anywhere. Like anything you do for the rest of your life, I will follow you. And I was like, what? And just like guy after guy and woman after woman, like everyone just came up to me and they're like, wow, that was so powerful. I was like, really? I was like, you know, I was terrified still. I was like trembling. I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, yeah, but this is a safe space. And you know, you, I know your shit, you know, my shit or whatever. And so it's like, it's all good. And they were like, no, you need to talk about this. Like you need to tell your family and let them know. And I was like, no freaking way. Am I going to tell my family this? But eventually I was like, okay, tell my family one by one. And it was terrifying. Cause I was like, maybe they won't accept me or love me. I asked them all the question first before I told them, I go, is there anything that I could ever do or say that would make you not love me? Cause I think I was just afraid. Yeah. Of, of the, so I'd asked that first and it kind of gave me permission when they said, no, there's nothing that you could ever do or say that would make us not love you. So that gave me permission to like open up about everything. And what I realized is there was so much about my siblings and my parents that I didn't know that when I started to talk about it, like they revealed stuff to me. And I was like, I've known you guys my whole life and I didn't know this. And we built a, a stronger relationship. And I was like, wow. But then I started telling like some of my close friends one by one. This was terrifying because I was like, I want my friends to like me still, you know? I started telling them. And again, they started opening up and accepting me more and embracing me in a different way. And the more and more people I told, the less like I had heart palpitations or fear around it, the less my like lip quivered, like the less it owned me until a point where I was like, people were like, you should really share this publicly. And I was like, no freaking way. Like, <laughs> it's one thing to like my friends and my family, but like the world, like it's going to hurt my business. It's going to, you know, whatever. Like people are going to think certain things about me. And so I was like, again, I was still afraid to let people know, to let people see me fully. And after months and months of just kind of like thinking about it and talking about it with friends, I was like, okay, maybe I will. And I was like, I need the right way to do it. So it feels like good to me. And it feels like I'm not hurting anyone or whatever. And I finally decided, okay, I'm going to do this. And I published it. It was just a game changer because so many men, I just got hundreds of emails from men just like writing essays about what it did for them, you know, to listen to it and to see a, tall jock looking white man open up about anything whether it's sexual abuse or insecurities in general just opening up about stuff i was like wow this is you know more meaningful and powerful than anything i've ever done you know just me being who i am looking the way that i look you know it's very unassuming that something would happen like this to me or that i'd want to talk about it or any of these things And so I just felt like this is probably the most meaningful thing that I I may ever do or continue to be a part of. It's just being a, I don't know, a catalyst for other men to feel safe to open up. And so many men would email me and say, I was sexually abused. I was raped. I was this. And I've been married for 25 years. My wife doesn't know. And now I'm going to go tell her. And I'll just be like, wow. Like it just blew my mind. It was just like, this is amazing. Like the healing that was coming for these men and it gave them permission that if I could do this, they could do this. So I just said that, man, this is like the next thing I got to do. Like talk about this more and not in a way where I'm like every day, like, Hey guys, I was raped. And you know, it's like not about that, but just like creating a space for the conversation to happen, being a sounding board. You know, I'm not a trained professional by any means. I'm like how to coach someone who's gone through these things, but I can share my story and I can listen. 
And I think that's what we need more of as men, you know, as women are more open to talking about these things, it's more out there and acceptable, even though it's still, you know, it's hard for anyone to talk about these things, but you just don't see many men talking about it. And especially men that look like me, you know, like Josh. That's Yeah. I was going to say, we've been to workshops and been to places, but it's like in the woods in Maui. Right. Exactly. You know, like, yeah. It, with men who are wearing sarongs. Not yeah, that there's anything there's wrong with that, but like it's just a different vibe. It's a hard, it's hard for like, I remember we went to the Nicole Day Doan workshop and this was like six weeks into our relationship. And she sat down and was like, you know, tell me a little bit about you. I was, we were interviewed for a testimonial at the end of the workshop and she was just like, what is your, I was like, I grew up in the Midwest where it's like boobs, beer, and right. basketball or whatever. Right, right, right. It was something along those lines, but I remember boobs and beer. And she was like, this is the greatest testament I've ever received in my life. Like uh-huh. this is what she said, because I was like, this is stuff that we don't talk about. That's like to a normal, like what you consider quote unquote, like a normal dude. Yeah. That's right. Not mainstream. Right. It's accessible mainstream. Not yet. Not yet. But I feel like, you know, there's so many catalysts that are happening this year with all the things we talked about in the intro that's in the media that these conversations are happening more and more because we're realizing, oh, this way of living doesn't work. Yeah. You know, how many more people need to die? How many more people need to be like screaming at each other in these racial marches? How many more police killings need to happen? How many more sexual abuse, assaults, all these things need to happen until we start having the conversations start becoming actions that we start shifting as men or and as our society. So I just, I'm just hoping that I can provide some type of an example. And again, you know, there's no way that I'm ever going to be perfect. And I'm not right now because I'm constantly making mistakes. You can ask my girlfriend, she'll tell you all the mistakes I make, but I'm so aware of these mistakes. And I'm so aware of like when I do get triggered and I'm much quicker at breathing, you know, trying to be an interruption in my own, behavior and coming from a place of love and understanding and let's figure this out as opposed to I need to win and be right or I need to like dominate you right now or whatever it is that my conditioning used to be and I feel so much more at peace when I do that and so that's what I want this to be just a conversation and some tools and exercises for men and for women to be able to start shifting and some people it's going to take time so good when you (laughs) <laughs> I'll ask a question, maybe. Just call it the Kate Show? Yeah, the Kate Show, yeah. Okay, <laughs> here's this next. Okay, I get a question this time. Okay. <laughs> Do you remember what Gabby Reese said to you in her interview? Which part? I mean. About, like, the... Yeah, she said a lot of things, right? <laughs> the, like, the, work, the whole thing. The whole thing. <laughs> you, where the work of the world needs to move to? <sighs> Remind me. Okay, so... I remember this is stuck in my head since you, and I don't know if you started working on this book when you interviewed her or not, but like she said that the, the women empowerment train, she didn't exactly say, don't quote me on this, but this is the way I internalized it is like left the station and it's not coming back. Like there's no stopping it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the, where the work needs to happen is teenage boys because right now they're completely lost. Yeah. You know? And so I remember that. And I was just, I told you too. You know, like I remember, I remember yeah. And it was as soon as I heard it, I'm like, oh, wow, that's huge. And it's cool because like, that's what you, I don't even know if like you knew that, but it's like, that's the work you're creating now. Yeah. And it's really dope. So like, when did this situation happen where you like knew something needed to change? 
four years ago when I was, you know, opening up about the sexual abuse and just like the fight, the breakup, the, you know, everything I was going through kind of a bad breakup and the business partner as well. Like everything wasn't working, you know, and I just turned 30 and I was like, I thought I'm supposed to like have this stuff figured out by now. <laughs> and I think it was just a great like timing for me to be like, okay, you know what? Let me take a step back and start doing some of the deeper work on myself and start reflecting and start looking for feedback. My whole life, I didn't want feedback. I wanted the feedback that I was doing things right, not the feedback of like how I could be better. And so I would always get defensive, you know, when people gave me feedback. So I started four years ago saying, okay, everyone give me feedback, you know, listeners, friends, coaches, like girlfriends, like anyone and everyone, I want feedback. How can I be a better human being? And it sucks. Like getting feedback all the time <laughs> sucks, right? Because you're like, it does. Oh, you just want to defend yourself. You want to be like, but I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and shit, you know. So allowing myself to be like, all right, you know, what can I learn from everyone? And I still get tons of feedback every day from like listeners who email me stuff that they don't even they just come right at me and I start attacking stuff about the show. And I'm like, all right, take a deep breath. You know, this person isn't doing anything in their life, but they're just coming at me and attacking me or whatever. It's like my initial thought. And then I go, okay, if it's not effective for this person, how can I be more effective to reach this person and impact them? So I try to take what I can, you know, maybe they give some feedback and I'm like, all right, does it land for me or not? If it does, all right, I want to try this next time and be mindful of it. And so that's just the way I approach things is how can I improve and Again, not to take everyone's feedback, but just see what works and move forward. I think that's what guys in general and humans get to do is be willing to take feedback if they want to improve their life. Just a logistical question. How do you receive the feedback in your business? Because like, it's obviously like, do do you have somebody who filters through and gives you just the pieces they think is going to be helpful or like, what are the systems you have in place? Uh, That's like a left field question, but I'm just, I mean, we get customer support emails all the time and I'm just like asking like, what's the pulse? What's happening? What's so you just kind of get a feel that person is getting the pulse. Are we, are we happy? Are people happy? Are they pissed off right now? Like, what are we doing? (laughs) How can we make it better? And every week we do a team meeting and I say, how can we make our experience better? How can we serve our audience better, our community, our customers? Like, what can we do to improve as a team? And so I'm always looking for improvement, whether it's one little thing. And again, it's a work in progress. We're working on so many different things at once that stuff, you know, falls through the cracks here and there. So, Well, of course. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. How has starting to do this work (laughs) affected your business up to this point? And then also, hold on, I got a part B to this one. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, you're now famous because you've been on Ellen. Ellen Generous, you know, he's through the roof. Liz. That was pretty exciting. That's pretty dope. So congratulations fun. on Thank that. Thank you. Thank you. We went uh, to Getting on Ellen a couple of times does not make you famous, but it was, fun. <laughs> it was a fun moment. But yeah. it's still really cool. <laughs> yeah, very cool. I'm That's very great. appreciative. It was amazing. I'm super grateful. But the potential for this work at this moment in time has that potential to be very well known. So... And I think it's it's hitting it at the right market. Like, I really enjoyed reading your book. I'm not all the way through it yet, but I'm just really, like, it's hitting, I don't know, it's like the about four years ago, kind of the same, we were on a little bit of the same trajectory of what you're referring mm-hmm. to here and speaking about, but it's like, this is really hitting me for some reason recently, and it has been for a while. And it's not, a lot of people say it's because I had a daughter. Maybe there's an influence there, but it's it's been greater than that because I see like the connection lost in guys, like, you know, as friends, like my friends growing up and all this stuff through college and what our experience has been. And I was talking to a buddy the other day and he was just, he's like, everything's great. All this stuff's going on. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, right. He's totally lying to me because of, <laughs> I know his past, 
of what's happened in the past couple of years, but we're not talking about that. And then I like tell him about your book is coming out and he just like drops everything and is like, dude, the last, cause we were talking about the me too movement and all this stuff. And like, how do you do this? And he goes, this also happens women affecting men because what's happened to me in the last six months is I've been to jail twice for, I've done literally, I've never touched this woman at all, but she like, in, yeah, is like got me going to jail because of, wow just the cops show up and they listen to her immediately of what the situation was, but it's really affecting me big time. And I was like, yeah. wow. So how is this, that was completely side note of the, like your book and the work that's coming out and has potential to affect so many people. So, but for you personally, as the press picks up, as this book hits the world, how are you accepting like the success? I know there's not really a success mask, but I know like, <laughs> as this happens, like what's different about like, let's say three or four years ago when the school of greatness, when your podcast started really taking off, mm-hmm. how you handled that process versus like what you think or you're believing you're going through now. So the first question is how has my business changed from opening Correct. up and doing yep. this? You know, it's funny because after I started to open up to my friends and family about this four years ago, I still didn't talk about it on my podcast for like six or nine months. But I would get these emails from people or messages from people saying like, I loved your show before, Lewis, but something like you're doing something different. I don't know what it is, but keep doing it. I love it even more now. And I'm like, huh, just being a better human being and trying to like be thoughtful and compassionate and not be right all the time or whatever it was I was doing before. I'm not sure. But I just felt a different energy, a, a different sense of ease about who I was in the world because I felt accepted. And I didn't feel as fearful about my life. And it started to take off. I think just like my ability to have compassion for my team and not be so like hard on people and be more focused on like, how can we lift and impact people as opposed to how can we just make as much money or whatever it is, you know, it's just focusing on more fulfillment has been powerful and it's paid off big time with my business. I don't think I would have got on Ellen or these other things would have happened if I wasn't being that way. I think that you can just see an energy differently about people so it's helped in my business tremendously. You know, it helped me get a book deal, helped me get my second book deal. You know, all these things open up. And then how, what's the second question? How am I handling the, the press? Yeah, like, how are you, you know, you're uncovering all these masks in the book and then how people are, pro- like you referenced Ty Lopez a lot with uh-huh. the materialistic mask because it's true. Like I always wonder, to me, I'm like, what does this guy really do? He never actually fully shares, Right but I know he has a Ferrari and Lamborghini and a big ass house and all these super hot models around him all the time. Right. But like for you was one of those masks like leading with the success previously that is not necessarily that you're, you notice and you've discovered now that is changing with what's like going to happen with this book. I think, you know, a lot of these masks are all led by ego, right? So it's just like we're putting a false sense of ego forward to fit in, to be accepted. Whether it's the material mask, we're putting a false sense of our identity and our self-worth is wrapped around our net worth or the things we have, the possessions we have. And when those things are gone, then our identity is at stake because we put our self-worth wrapped around that. For me as an athlete, my self-worth was wrapped around being a great athlete and being a pro athlete and getting all these things. So when I couldn't play anymore, my identity was gone because that's where I put my self-worth and no longer I fit in because I wasn't playing in front of screaming fans every day. You know, it's the same thing with a professor that loses his job. It's like his identity, the know-it-all mask. It's all these things. 
for me, it's, the, it's more of an ego thing. Like I just try to come from a place of gratitude and humility. And this is a challenge because as I grow and gain more followers and make more money and get more press, I could easily go back into, yeah, I'm the fucking man. You know what I mean? I could easily be like, that's right. That's right, bitches or whatever. You know, it's like, and I think that's why I continue to be intentional daily through meditation practice, through surrounding myself with a great team that constantly gives me feedback. And I say, I'm a demand for feedback. I welcome it. If I stop doing that, then I'll just be like, you know what? I got this figured out. I got it all you know, sorted. I don't want feedback. And it'll probably affect me in a negative way. So it's just a constant reminder. And if something, you know, and I'm reminded if something's not working or I feel attacked and I'm allowing it to get to me, I'm like, oh, all right, I'm living with a mask again. This is a good reminder for me, this book, because I have to live it now. It's I can't like yeah. fake it anymore. It's like, ugh, I got to be the example. It sucks when you write right? about something. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I know that I'm going to constantly make mistakes and it's going to, you know, I'm going to slip from time to time and, you know, I'm not going to be perfect. But as long as I can own my mistakes, live from a place of humility and gratitude, then I think I'm going to be okay. Totally. So most of our listeners are women. And so I love the piece that you shared about, you know, some specifics about how we can mm -hmm. have our men, especially in intimate relationships, feel more safe to open up. Right. And I'm curious, how have you shifted the way that you interact with women as a result of doing this work with friends, sisters, whatever, but also just like women in the workplace and at conferences? And have, have you noticed anything in your behavior or have you started calling out behavior that you might never have said anything about before? Hmm. I'm not sure where I take this answer, but, um, get anywhere. <laughs> I just feel like I care a lot more about listening to the women when they're asking questions. And I'm not like a relationship expert by any means or like a trained therapist in this. So I can only speak from my example, what I see works in my relationship and, you know, and my type of personality. So I really am more compassionate towards women and, I don't want to make women wrong or men wrong or any of that. I'm looking to say, here are a couple options to try out. Here are a couple things to try out. And I see that a lot of women, like I just spoke last week, and a lot of women were asking me these questions. And I see that a lot of women are suffering and in pain because the men in their lives aren't opening up or they're so guarded or defensive or they feel like they can't connect or things like this. And with just divorce rates so high and just the conflict and relationships as it is, I'm trying to be compassionate more and more and just say, listen, I hear you. I understand it's not easy. Here's something you can try and test. And that's about all I can do right now because that's um, the best anyone not, not being like, quit being a little, you know what? And like step up, just like figure it out. You know, yeah, that probably that's, wouldn't work. That's, that's, that's old Lewis. That's exactly. Old Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Like the tough love, like just figure it out. Just like man up. Right. You know, well, and I will um, say Lewis, like I think the last time we actually spent time together was, like a long time ago, like maybe 2012 or something. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, not like we've spent a ton of time together, but just like the difference I experienced in you was profound mm. between then and Toronto, just like such an energetic shift. And now mm. having this deeper conversation and reading your book, I get why, right. but I literally came home from Toronto and I was like, yeah, man, <laughs> like that Lewis House is such a nice guy. <laughs> like, no, I really had 
I just had a very different experience. So uh, it shows yeah. and it really is impacting the people around you because just who we are in the world makes people feel either safe or not safe. Here's, here's the thing I've learned over the last few years. and I appreciate the kind thoughts and remarks. I've learned to just listen to people. Like when people feel heard, they feel like they trust you. So everyone in my event, I get this all the time now, which is like, I don't even know when this started happening, but I just said, you know what? Every event, every time I'm around someone, I'm going to make them the only thing that matters. I'm not going to look anywhere else. I'm going to look them directly in the eyes mm-hmm. and listen and be like open body position and just fully be aware of what they're saying and not try to make them understand me, but I want to try to understand them. And so, you know, I'm in line, whatever. I'm, after my speech, I'm in line signing for a couple hours, books and stuff and saying hi to people. And people always come up afterwards. They're like, you know, I was watching you for like the last hour and I saw just like each person, you just looked at them and you were so intentional by looking at them and you didn't look around or anything else. And it's a lot of energy to stare at people for two and a half hours or whatever, like, and just make them the center of attention. But I feel like even if I am, you know, the dumbest person in the world or have no talent or have no money or any of these other things, you can do that. You can look at people in the eyes and see them and listen. And that's one of the greatest gifts that any person could ever give to someone is to be seen and to be heard. And it doesn't matter how smart you are, how funny you are, how good looking. If you can do that, you can literally shift people and move people. So I appreciate you for you know seeing that in me, but I feel like that's something we can all do. I don't care if you're a man, woman, whatever, just like look at people in the eyes and connect. And it's the worst thing in the world when you're at a party or an event and you're having a conversation and they're looking around constantly somewhere else. You're like, this person doesn't care. And you would be the most interesting person in the world when you show that you're the most interested person in someone else. It's that simple. It pretty much works every time. Mm -hmm. Except for the time when I was being really interested in you the first night we met and Mike looked at me and goes, (laughs) as I was asking him all sorts of questions and he goes, what is this? A match.com profile? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I read David D'Angelo's work. Why are you work, such so. a jerk? Yeah, yeah. I was in the Neil Strauss's The Game. Tell me you're dating. Yeah, yeah, it worked. You know? It's funny. It, it did work. Yeah. There yeah, were some yeah. masks there, but it did work. Of course. It did. And you told me when to shut it down. I did. Yeah. Inspired by Nicole Daydon. Yep. And I did, and then it's worked out so far. So I have two final questions. But I shouldn't say have... so far. That sounds <laughs> So when's it going to end? That sounds then? so helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so far, so good. But I second what Kate said. You know, like I've known you and followed you, your work and all that stuff since, I mean, you're the one that like promoted Video Traffic Academy back in the day. With <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Remember? And like you met, I think it was Lewis's sister. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then you were I like... Mean, I think, didn't we meet James because of Lewis? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I oh. met because of James. Yeah, so... Thanks, Lewis. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to say thank you, you know, for the work that you end up doing, you know, all the way through this point. So, and it is. Yeah, it's yeah. a big... There's definitely a shift that's taken place in the last few years for you, and I've seen it on this end as a guy, and it's really been a... It's cool to, like, have, like because I've been doing all these feelings and all this work with like therapists and stuff on myself and kind of discovering this stuff, but actually have a book reference. That's like, uh, yeah, my buddies and I are like having these conversations more and more and more. And so it's coming up and I'm like, just go read this book. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. I appreciate that. And here's the thing, you know, I love Oprah and Brene Brown and you know, a great female therapist like the rest of us, but it's hard to, as a man to be like, do they really understand me though? Do they really get me being, you know, 
uh, I don't know, a professor at, you know, right. a TED talk professor, you know, feminist, do they really understand me? Or are they just kind of like preaching what we should be doing? And so I'm trying to be the example, the best that I can with all my flaws of like, Hey, listen, you can be like a white jock from Ohio and not suffer inside and have a better, you know, experience day to day with relationships and business and health and everything and still be able to talk bro language, you know? So that's, that's my goal is to be like, Hey, let's bro it out. Let's hug it out. And like, you know, just be real with each other, you know? Yeah. That's great. That should be the subtitle. Bro language. Bro, Heal yourself yeah, exactly. bro language. Throw it <laughs> out. Hug yeah, it out. Yeah. Okay. So two final questions. I'm going to ask you the questions that you ask people on your podcast for fun. Number one is the three truths questions. So yep. if you were to get to the end of your life or just right now and lose all the work you've done, you have uh, no legacy. <laughs> all your content is gone. All the podcast was right. Pressing question now that I'm on the other side. And you're yeah. about to jump off a bridge. This is like a, a you know, <laughs> this is not exactly how you ask. <laughs> so I remember. And you just you're gone. What are the three things you want people to remember? Three truths that you would leave like on a piece of paper. That yeah. was sort of the question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Three things that only people would have to remember me by. Exactly. I've said them a few times, but let me see what's coming up for me now. It might be different than what I've said before. <sighs> Number one, health is the most important thing. You know, it doesn't matter what you achieve or how much you have. If you don't focus on your health first, then everything else will suffer. So be a champion of optimizing your health physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Number two, follow your dreams. When we live a life without dreams, our life doesn't matter as much. And we feel we're, like something's missing. We feel like we're emptier. We feel like resentful. We feel frustrated. We don't know what the meaning of our life is when we don't have dreams that we're pursuing. So discover and follow your dreams. And the third thing would be to live a life of service. Because we may not know the reason why we were born. We may not have certain answers to questions that we're looking for. But we entered into a world that has given us an experience. And it's providing so much to us. Every day it's providing us life, you know, shelter, whatever it may be, sunlight. It's allowing us to grow. And if we're not focused on every single day figuring out how we can give back to the world and to the people in the world, the environment and to progressing the world, then we're doing a disservice to our creator. So was that focus on health, live your dreams and live in life of service. Amen. Okay. So the last question is what I want to know is what does it mean to be a man? To live a life of service. I think the ultimate man and the ultimate human being, which is the man who can enter chaos with grace and serve that situation in that moment. Not the silverback gorilla who has to like pound his chest and like scream at everyone, but the silverback gorilla who actually just kind of like walks through slowly and just like moves his hands to the side of like chaos and says, let's figure this out. Let's come together and let's figure out a solution for everyone. And I believe that's a, that's a man who lives to serve others. Beautiful. Mm. Thank you for the courage Thanks. it takes to do this work. Everybody, go get your copy of The Mask of Masculinity. Buy it for all the men in your life. And women read it as well because it applies just as much to us. I think it's. I think more women are going to read this because it kind of gives like the keys to the kingdom. It teaches you yeah. like how to understand the men in your life better. 
than you ever have before. So actually, I wrote this for myself and men like me, but I was like, oh, women are probably going to want this more than men. Because it's like a guidebook. It's a guidebook for understanding your father, your husband, your son, the people who are disconnected and who aren't opening up. It's going to show you how to understand why and then how to get them to take the mask off without making them wrong. Exactly. Without making them wrong. That's it. So people should find you at lewishouse.com. That's it. Listen to the School of Greatness. It's awesome. Buy the book. Yeah. Thank you, Lewis. Thanks, Lewis, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Kate. Bye. What's up, people? It is Mike Watts here, closing out this episode of the Kate and Mike Show. I just wanted to touch base with you because something really cool has started to happen post this, you know, closing of Origin, etc. Is that we just opened up the doors, and we're currently opening up the doors for not only Mike J. Watts, but also I will be doing other business consulting for those of you that have a small business or a large business or an entrepreneur or starting out, etc. But Basically, I like to think of myself as the business architect, and I help establish business owners and entrepreneurs build solid operating structures so they can scale to the next level of revenue. And this is the first time in a long time that we've actually opened the doors for business consulting to help you really systematize what you actually have going on. So my skill set would be looking at the systems that a business has in place and reviewing those systems, where the income streams are coming in, where's the advertising, what are you actually doing, and then streamlining what's actually going on. The last person that I helped with this, I saved her $8,000 within our first hour because she ended up with spending $4,000 a month on things that she didn't actually need right there. And it's just stuff like that where we're constantly, as we're running a business, we are always spending money on something, right? And so it's about making sure that that something is working out well for everyone and not only everyone as a customer, but also you as the business owner. So we've opened the doors for that. You can check out more information at mikejwatts.com. Once again, that's mikejwatts.com. If you need some help when it comes to your systems, if you need some just consulting when it comes to your actual business, where your income streams are coming about, how you can go about growing your business, etc. I mean, I started this with zero income up and we are, we've really build a solid six-figure business. And this will be the first year that we'll be eclipsing seven figures. So it's pretty dope and pretty excited to see what else comes forward. So if you want to know more about that, you can just fill out the form at MikeJWatts.com. There's a section under work with me. You can review more about that information. I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode of the Kate and Mike show. Have a great rest of the day. Cheers.